Hi, everybody. Have you been enjoying the sunshine? It's been great weather for all of us, especially for the visitors here for the games. And I'm glad God helped us have nice weather. But we have one problem. It's hot in this building. I thought, Jesus, we need more money for air conditioning. We can use it three times in a year, okay? But it would be nice to have it. But it's good to see everybody. It looks like the church is full. Anybody have an empty chair next to them? No. So we're full. This is the way every time KT opens the doors, it should be. Amen? Everybody look around. Everybody look around and get a picture of this in your heart and your mind. And let's believe God that in every service at KT, this is what it's like. Amen? Not just the 11 o'clock worship hour, but... 5 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 7, and then our different meetings during the week. So everybody look around and let's get a, a picture so you know what you're praying for and you're believing for. Amen? Because you know if more people come, their lives will get better, and it's a good church for them to be a part of. Amen? See, even way up there in the balcony where people hide. Amen. <laughs> um, we need it full to the rafters. And uh, this is the way KT should be every time his doors are open. Amen. Father, we thank you for giving us new members. And Father, those that have left wrong, bring them back to where they belong. And we thank you for an increase in membership of this house. And Father, we thank you that you'll help us know how to do it and that you'll draw the people in the north, the south, the east, and the west to come and learn the word and be trained and sent out into the world as you direct. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Give God one more good shot of you on that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Open your Bibles to the book of Psalms, 118th chapter. That's where we'll start in just a moment. Is everybody happy to be here? Simon, are you happy? Good to see you again. You're normally over here. Did you come in late? No, oh, okay. Oh, good. You like change. God bless Simon. Amen. Because usually I see Simon over here, over there, and he's over here today. Like, you freak me out. All right. You know how people find their area or their chair, and that is their area and chair? That happens at KT2. So I get used to knowing where everybody's at, and then when they move, it's like, ooh, okay. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, how many have ever read any of my books? Now, everybody at KD should have read at least one by now. I've been here for four years. All right. How many have never read any of my books? Would you raise your hand in honesty? You're in sin. <laughs> and you've got to go by the book table today and get some of my books. I've got specials on my books back there, so they sent them to me. I write little books for you that are scared of big books, okay? So I have all kinds of books. Here's one called The Most Dangerous Place to Be in England is in the Middle of the Road because you get hit by cars going both ways. You have to make a decision which way you're going to go. Amen? Free book. All right. So now you wake up. Now we wake up. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Lord, convict them of their sins. All right. Ever heard of Catherine Kuhlman? I wrote her life story. I love Catherine. I'd have married her if I could. But um, one of the greatest women preachers of all times, and I, it was only two biographies that the foundation that Captain Kuhlman built have approved was the one that she approved and the one that I wrote. And so I was very honored when the Kuhlman Foundation put their blessing on it. And Miss um, Kuhlman had a great miracle ministry, as you know. And uh, when you say Catherine Kuhlman, I'll send the book over there, so it's, it's coming. And um, uh, her, her ministry was wonderful. And most of them, you see, hear the name Catherine Kuhlman, you think the white dress, the big crowds, and the miracles. And, and that was the last, about the last 15 years of her life. Her story is she almost didn't make it. Because in her life, she had a divorce, 
And in those days, the Pentecostal church did not know how to deal with that type of happening in a minister's life. And she almost didn't make it, but she gave her life fresh to God again and said she was sorry and that she would do whatever she could to serve him no matter what. And she was sincere enough that she just served in a little place somewhere. She, she didn't have pictures of this great ministry. And God accepted her like he will you and breathed into her this wonderful miracle ministry. Her life is the story of somebody who had a restoration and God who never stopped believing in her. And you'll enjoy it. So I'm gonna have you, my friend, go to the back in the back, because I'll give you your book later. And here, 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 come here. And take the book back there to one of those nice people that were screaming at me. All right? Praise the Lord. All right. And then, of course, you got to get my general's books. You'll enjoy those. Those are back there. And I'll just hand this one over here to somebody. All right. You walk first. You get it. All right. There you go. I, I can't throw that one. We might have to have a prayer line after that book. We're flying through the air. And uh, praise the Lord. Well, I, I'm very excited also to announce that uh, Bible school is happening again here real soon. And so we want to encourage you to be a part of the Bible. So even though I'm not principal, it still goes. I'm going to be here in September teaching for a little bit in the school. So like I told you, I'm coming and going. I have not left you. So um, just know that up front. You may not see me all the time, but I'm around in the spirit. And I'll show up at times, okay? So I just want to encourage you to be a part of the Bible school and, and, and be trained and then get shipped. You can't just get trained and sit down. We want to ship you. The, gospel, the power of a local church is, is one of its dimensions, or one way it's, it's observed, is in its sending power. Not just gathering power, but its ability to train and ship is a part of the power of a local church. Amen? But that's not my sermon today, but I thought I'd throw that out there. Psalms 118 is a chapter I've been reading just uh, recently again in my personal devotion, and I thought I would minister to you today, be more pastoral than prophetic or something like that. Uh, and so I'm going to preach and teach from Psalms 118, and then we'll see where we go from there. Amen? Now, I know it's hot, so no one should be going to hell today. But tune in over your temperature, and let's listen to the Word. Verse 1, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is mad half the time and going to kill you. Is that what it says? No, so don't believe it like that. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Let Israel now say, or let the church say in New Testament uh, terms, let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. Let the house of the ministers, uh, uh, Aaron, now say his mercy endures forever. And let them that fear the Lord say his mercy endures forever. That includes everybody. So let's just take a moment and thank God for his mercy over our life for a moment. Just lift your hand up for just a moment and just thank God that he's been merciful to us, his children. Thank God for your mercy, your kindness, your goodness that has been shed to us and given to us. We don't take it for granted, but we do say his mercy endures forever. Amen? That means you can't outlive it. Cheers. You can't outlive it. His mercy endures forever. Then David said, verse 5, I called upon the Lord and he was busy. Is that what it says? I want you to make sure you see it in your book. I, he said, I called upon the Lord in my distress. And the Lord said, I'm too busy. 
No. The Lord said, call me tomorrow after lunch. That's human talk. God doesn't talk like that. I called upon the Lord in my distress, and the Lord answered me, now I love this, and put me in a large place. That's the opposite of small. God don't take you and put you in a small little place and say, survive. He puts you in a big place and says, live. Amen? Now, this verse also says to us, and reminding you of this this morning, and the Lord answered me. God answers those who talk to him and call upon his name. So don't leave today thinking, well, God's not talking. Maybe you're not listening. Because that's more of a possibility than God not talking. All through the biblical record, we have the continual example of God communicating to people. So we have the example of God answering, God talking, and God moving on behalf of the human race. So Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ, or God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And one of those things I want to remind you about, he answers like he did yesterday. He'll answer today, and he'll answer all of us tomorrow too. Amen? So don't, well, I'm not hearing. Change your frequency. Sometimes we don't hear because we're dictating how God is going to tell us the answer. Or we're telling God what to say, and if you don't say it, we're not listening. So you can't blame God for not talking when you're not on the same frequency. Amen? Now, another point I will make to us in the New Testament, God does not always talk in dramatic signs, wonders, and demonstrations to confirm the word or what you need. Sometimes we want God to come with a burning bush. Uh, there's something better than a burning bush, the inner voice. There's something better than some type of natural happening is when you can hear God for yourself in your home and get the right answer. That is one of the great New Testament blessings of why we say that the New Testament, according to Hebrews, is a better covenant because you can hear God for yourself. Now, I appreciate all the prayers that people pray for me. I appreciate all the encouraging words that people write and email and tell me. I, I appreciate them. But at the end of the day, when I go home and put my head on my pillow, I'm glad I can hear God for myself. I, I appreciate all that you tell me and all that you're doing. Thank you. But at the end of the day, my life did not shake because you didn't give me a word today. My life did not vibrate in nervousness or calamity because I didn't get three prophecies today. I'm glad that I have learned how to hear God's voice for myself in any circumstance, good, bad, or challenging, that I'm in, I can hear God. I, I can hear God not because I'm special. I hear God because I'm his son. I hear God because I've developed my personal abilities to distinguish his voice above all the other noise. And then also know how to test it to make sure I've got it right. And testing that voice does not offend God. He tells us to try the Spirit. So when you do what he says, he gets happy about it. So don't get upset if, well, I don't know and I may be upset. No, go ahead and test it. Test it by the character, the principle of the word. 
I'm so glad that I live in the new covenant because I could not have survived the old covenant. They'd have stoned me somewhere in the old covenant because I'd have done something wrong one day and I'd become a pot of rocks in Israel. But because we're under the new covenant, the, 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 the time of grace, we survive our mistakes. But to me, the greatest thing besides forgiveness is you can hear God for yourself in your house and do it and get the victory that belongs to you. So in all your Christian living, the first thing you should really develop is hearing God for yourself. Cherish that. I was sitting in my home church one time and there was a prophetic gift there and I believe in prophets and prophetesses. And they have a New Testament ministry, but I don't depend on them to hear from God. And this is early in the prophetic restoration. I was sitting there in my home church in Tulsa and um, prophecies were going and I wanted one. So I tried to glow. I'm over here, I want a word. While I'm trying to go and get the prophet's attention, the Lord said to me, why do you want a word from him? I can talk to you for myself. And that corrected my attitude, not against prophetic, but it put it in its right place in my life that it is more a, of a confirmational type of activity in our life. A little room for brand new uh, information, I think we see in the New Testament. Not a large part, but a little bit. But mainly it's confirmation because the great thing is you can hear God for yourself. And let the prophetic gifts be more confirming than the directive. Can you say amen on that? And if you are a prophecy junkie, get delivered from your addiction. And everybody said, amen. Everybody smile. It's hot, but it's okay. He heard me in my distress. He heard me in my distress. And he answered me and he put me in a large place. That's a prosperous place, a peaceful place, a progressive life place. It's a large place. I like big things. And you do too, and you were taught small things were better. When you're a child and you were taken to a candy store, you always reach for the biggest piece of chocolate until you were told no. But naturally, you went toward the big thing until socially someone told you no, and now you're trying to be polite. But when it comes to the things of God, don't be polite. Be who you are. You like big stuff? Have big stuff. Amen. I like big cars. Now, I understand why England has small cars. You can't park in London. But I drive a big old F-150 truck when I'm in America. Can you believe I'm in a truck? I'm more of a BMW guy, but I got a truck. I, drive, I like it now. Everybody moves away when you come down the street. When you beat the horn, the dogs and the birds both listen. I like big things, and you do too. So when God brings you to a large place, however that is manifest, take it. Enjoy it. Your friends don't like it. Get new friends. <laughs> don't let your friends destroy God's blessing and the joy that it goes with those blessings. Amen? He said in verse 6, the Lord is on my side. It's good to know who's on your side. So I will not be scared or afraid of what man can do to me. Please get there. I beg you, get to the place in your life, whether you're a preacher or not, where you're not afraid of men and women, power or no power. Give to people respect, kindness, honor to who honor is due, but you don't have to be afraid of people. I remember the day in my life when I got over being scared of famous people. After being around them for a while, you find out some of them shouldn't be famous. 
should go back and learn some social skills. But I remember I've been around different stars and presidents and, and ministers are the ones that first got around. And um, I had to get over it because sometimes the Lord had me say things that in my soul I thought, mm-mm. Have somebody else do it, I'll amen them. <laughs> but there came a point in my life where the fear factor of man shrunk, and I replaced it with proper honor, respect, kindness, so that everybody is do that. Everybody is do those kind of things. But I'm not going to be afraid of you. And I learned I could ask anybody any question if I asked it in the right manner and the right spirit and the right tone. So that's one reason why I have such great times interviewing people for my books and all these things because I'll ask them everything, even the secret stuff. Because you can ask anybody any question if you know how to ask it with the right disposition. And if you have fear of man, you, you always want to make a mistake. Plus, Proverbs says the fear of man is a snare. It puts you in captivity. So let's remove the fear of one another have love for one another, respect for one another, and give honor to one another, and bless one another, but let's not be afraid of them. Let's enjoy them and have a good time with the people around about us and the people that we meet. Amen? So David said here, everybody still with me? David said here, he goes, I, the Lord is on my side. When you got Jehovah, why should you be afraid anyway? And I will not fear what man can do to me. The Lord taketh my part, verse 7, with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. In other words, I want them to stop and get out of my path. I know the word hate there is a very different kind of way than we talk today. I don't think David wanted to, to well, maybe he did. He was kind of like a terrorist in a way. You know, King David, we think of him as a worshiper and as a nice king, but in, you were alive and King David was the king and you heard he was coming, you started running for your life because David was known as a military warrior of his lifetime. I think sometimes we forget that this guy was a warrior amongst all of that. So he had enemies, as we'll read about here. But I think when we're reading in our terminology, people that are against us, get them out of our path. Let there be peace between me and them, or shut them up and get them out of my domain. Amen? And some of you need to be glad when they leave and have a party. Celebrate your deliverance from weird people or from the pain in your butt for the last 15 years of your life. Good morning. <laughs> Dr. Kendall's coming tonight. He'll be calmer than me, so I'm acting like it's Sunday night now, so I'll use my Sunday night vocabulary, okay? And so he says in verse 7 again, The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore I shall see that my desire upon them that hate me or work against me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better but trust in the Lord than but confidence in princes or governments or power people. So he says two things. Don't put your trust in man's ability. Don't put your trust in government or power people because they'll always come up short and you'll get disappointed. God has never met a problem he cannot fix. He's never met a challenge that he's not willing to enter and make good come out of it. Amen. All things work together for good to them that love God. It didn't say he made all things happen, but if you get God in it, he can make good come out of it. Amen? So make sure that your trust is not an NHS. 
God bless what they do that is good. Excuse me, I'm hot. Thank you, sir. Thank God for all the good things that the British government does and the American government and all the different nations. But sometimes in our world, we begin to depend upon the provisions that man and our governments have made, and we almost forget that it is a one stream of blessing that has come from them. It is not the total blessing. If you depend upon man or man's system, then all you're going to get is what they can provide. And when they stop providing, you stop receiving. But if you keep God as your source, then it always keeps coming on every wave at different angles. It'll keep coming into your life. Amen? So if NHS can't make it, God still makes it for you. If some of their retirement things don't work out, God will make it for you. But if you put all your trust in man and in man's ability, and you don't keep your trust in God, you may come up short. That's why Greece is in problems. They're rioting. I feel sorry for the people of Greece. But when you put your trust in man's system and don't look at it as maybe one stream of, of blessing and keep your trust in God and it closes down, your world shatters. I'm glad God never has a bad day economy-wise. He never has a health problem. Heaven is happy, wealthy, and wonderful. And that's what God will do for his kids. You'll keep your trust in him and let him direct your ways. He is a good God and his mercy endures forever for every one of us. Amen. Be encouraged today. Trust God. Look to God. Amen. Let's go. Are you enjoying this chapter? I've been reading almost every day, wanting to scream down the street. I did one day and had some fun. He said, all the nations. Now here comes a description, David says. All the nations, he's king, compass me about. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They compassed me about. Yes, they compassed me about. That's like, they're everywhere. When I turn this way, they're here. When I go here, everywhere I go, there is an opposing army at this time in David's life. You may feel like that in your life today. You look this way, here's health problems. You look this way, here's money problems. Here's kids problems. Here's, I mean, everywhere you go, you're going to have problems, compassed about. Well, let's follow David's example. In the name of the Lord, they'll stop. In the name of the Lord, they'll cease. They may compass me about all around about me, but the name of the Lord, I will destroy what is happening to me that is wrong. They compass me about like bees. You've been around bees? Now, these bees weren't coming to bring honey. They were coming to bring stings. These were mean bees. I was compassed about like bees. Notice what David, he's describing his natural condition. Can you imagine? Bzzz, all over. The armies are around him all the time, compassed him everywhere. They're around me like bees. They've quenched as the fire of the thorns, for in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They have thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. That meant they even did an attack against him. They thrust at me. They came at me. They executed an attack, but the Lord helped me to overcome that attack. He will help you overcome that attack in your life and your business. Amen? Your dreams that God gave you are not fantasies. They're going to come to pass, says the Lord. And don't let the bees of today make you give up faith, hope, joy, and looking into tomorrow with great excitement. Hallelujah. Get some bee spray and spray them and kill them. 
Amen. He said, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength, verse 14, and my song, and has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation in the tabernacles of the righteous, the right hand of the Lord does valiantly. That's a military term. God does not mind a good fight. He always wins. That's why I'm on God's side. But he don't mind a good fight. One of God's names and characteristic is in Exodus 15, 3, the Lord is a warrior, Exodus declares. And a warrior is one that likes to fight. And I do too, and you do too. Problem is you've not been fighting the right way. You've been fighting the flesh, and you get tired, you get weary, and you lose. When you fight spiritually, you win, you overcome, and you learn. The right hand of the Lord, verse 16, is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. And I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Now notice, in the midst of all the nations like bees around him, craziness, and they're executing attacks against David. That's why he says about the sword being thrust. The Lord helped me, and he declared, I'm not going to die. What are you saying when the bees are buzzing? What do you say? when the enemies of your life and your destiny are all around you and it looks like it's over. What do you say? He declared, I shall not die. My spiritual father, Lester Summerall, was known for deliverance. And I was in with him on several occasions when he was doing deliverance at times. And demons would say the craziest thing to Brother Summerall. Some would whimper, don't hurt me. I thought, well, that's interesting. One came out of a guy one time. We were over in Sweden. And the demon goes, I'm going to kill you. He goes, I don't die easy. Come out of him. I thought, what a remark. I don't die easy. What would you say? See, most, see, you're, hmm. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The ultimate goal is to remove you. So like David says here, I shall not die, but I will live, and I will declare, I will declare them, I will live them out, the works of the Lord. Make that a part of your daily confession. I'm not going to die until I'm done. I'm not going to leave this world until I've completed, completed my role and my destiny in this earth, and I am going to declare, I'm going to perform the works of God every day of my life here. Whoa, hallelujah. You're going to have to take charge and let your life know who's in charge. You and God is in charge of your life. Well, I think God has given me an appointed time to die. Your death date can change by how you live and how you don't live right. If you read, I should have said you one time on what makes people live long according to the Bible. Because I always grew up thinking, appointed time to die. So God's already chosen January 5th, 2018, you're going to die. That's the way it was presented to me. Not true. You're going to die, but when is the question? Some have died early because of living wrong. And the wages of sin caused death to come quickly and snap them out of the earth. That's part of it. But some have lived on forever. Because you can do things, the Bible says, for one, honor thy father and thy mother and you'll have long life. Even if they're kind of mean, 
Give honor to your father and mother. That may be well with you and your days might be long. So you can extend your life by how you choose to live and what you choose to do. I plan to live as long as I can to bless God and irritate demons. The more days I live, the more darkness gets punched, the more light comes into the earth. That's why the devil hates me, and it's mutual. I hate him too. We have a relationship called we hate each other. That's our relationship. Verse 17 again. Are you still here? How's the balcony doing? Are you sleeping? That was the question. How are you doing? Good. All right. Well, make sure you're awake. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me sorely or deeply, strongly, but he has not given me over unto death. I guess that when God took care of some of his flesh, he thought he was going to die, but he didn't die. Open to me the gates of the righteous, and I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord when I'm with them. The gate of the Lord unto which the righteous shall enter. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. When God does something, see it for what it is. Know what happened. God answered you. God put you in a large place. God helped you, and God delivered you, and extended your life, and granted you blessings. Marvel at it. Be thankful for it. Give him praise, and tell your friends, well, they believe it or not, what God has done for you, and give him the thanksgiving for it. <laughs> Hallelujah. He goes on to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. And we'll be grumpy about it. What does it say? Rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. I beseech you, send now prosperity. Sounds like he was a part of the economy of the day. Send it now. Not two days where I'm dead. Now. See, I got no amens on that. Prosperity is for now, not when you get to heaven. Prosperity is for you now in your life. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord which has showed us the light. Bind the sacrifice with cords and in the horns of the altar. Thou art my God and I will praise you. Thou art my God and I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. I want to go back just to a little part of this chapter for a few moments. We only have a few minutes left in this service. When you're in a battle, many times we don't keep the spiritual laws active. When we have the bees buzzing, the storm of words Things in the natural, they don't go the way we think they should go. And they're going opposite or backwards or neutral. And we think, ah, and we give up. And we don't know what to do. When we're in a battle, we got to keep the spiritual laws that we know active. We don't settle down just because the earth is contrary at a moment. Spiritual laws are stronger 
than natural and social laws and protocols. And when you live in the spirit, you live by keeping that life force and keeping the spiritual laws active. Now, sometimes we think, well, the Lord knows where I live, and you know where he lives too. That's not the point. So don't start making little points. When we are compassed about, notice what David did. He put his trust in God. He kept doing what he knew to do spiritually with God in the midst of chaos, in the midst of people trying not to write bad stories, but killing. And he said, I refuse to put my trust in a man to get me out of this mess. I refuse to look to other governments to have peace with these other nations. I put my trust in God. I will praise him. I will trust him. I will exalt him. I will look to him. He kept the spiritual laws that he was aware of active in the midst of his battle. Now, close your Bibles. Stand up. We're going to do that right now. We're going to do some activities before we dismiss today, okay? I know I scared you when I said that, but nothing bad's going to happen. We're going to do some things that we need to do as Christians to keep spiritual laws active in our life so that the word of the Lord can come to pass, victory can come, and you stay on top. One of the things that we need to learn to do that when heaviness comes on us, depression, heaviness, the weight of the thing you're in begins to consume your thoughts and destroy your positive and joy. Isaiah said, put on the garment of praise to remove the spirit of heaviness. Wigglesworth, I used to read his, his book in, from when I was in America. I thought, isn't he nice? He'd get up every morning, one of the biographers said, and he would jump and shout and praise the Lord before he ever got dressed. So I saw him in one of those old, you know, long nightgown things that he used to wear back then. I don't know if he did that or not, but that's why I pictured him. But he said he would get up before he'd have breakfast, and he would shout and dance at his bedside and worship God for a little bit or have communion, one of the two, before he did anything else in the day. Now, I thought, oh, isn't that nice? He just, just so happy he just jumps out of bed and praises the Lord that I moved to England. And I realized why he did that. Now, I'm not being mean to you. You know me now. I've been here four years. You all know me, so I'm not being mean. I'm being honest. When I moved here, I found out why he did that. Because the same thing that he dealt with, we're dealing with. That the atmosphere, for whatever reason, I'm not here to preach about that, likes to push you. Mm, mm, be quiet. Shut up. Don't do that. Go to the corner and be quiet. It shoves you that way, and it takes your morning joy, your morning appetite for life almost gets sucked out before you have your teeth. You all kind of know what I'm talking about? Well, let's do the Bible and activate spiritual laws to keep our day right and break that stuff off of us. We put on the garment of praise to destroy the heaviness and the oppression. We activate that law. Amen. So let's praise God for a minute. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Lift your voice and shout with the voice of triumph and victory. Come on. 
However you feel led, just shout and worship him for a minute. Oh, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. All right. All right, just a minute, just a minute. Now, hold it, hold it, hold it. Thank God you got it, but uh, some of you don't. And I always look for the ones that don't. Not because I'm picking on you, I want you to have what is rightfully yours to have. But you got to do what the Word says do to get that which the Word says is yours. A lot of stuff just comes freely out of heaven with nothing because you're family. But there are still things in the Spirit that you have to activate by your actions and according to the Word to get that result. Now, maybe you're not a loud American like me. I accept that. But you should be. So what I want to tell you, some of you may be new to the church, you might be visiting, or this kind of happening is like, ooh. So what I want you to do is do something a little more than what you normally do. If you never raise your hand, at least go halfway. <laughs> if, if, if you're halfway, how about all the way? If, if you're like this, maybe like this. Just do something to begin to move that law of the Spirit on your behalf. Whatever that is for you. If you don't pray in tongues, shout in English. I don't care. Shout in Swahili. I don't care. God gets it. Whatever it is, do something that is a step for you to activate the spirit of praise. Use the voice of victory, the voice of authority that's in every born-again person to worship him or give God praise. And with the garment of praise, break that heaviness off of you. Do it one more time. Come on. Lift up your voice. And break that power, break that oppression, break that voice of the enemy. He'll do it for you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God forever and forever and forever. Shout with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Glory, glory, glory! No more defeat, no more oppression, no more hopelessness, joy, life of faith, hope, trust, live! Live in Jesus' name. Now, notice we, we, we went maybe about a minute. Now, I know it's fun when you got a thousand people going, ah, it's easy. So let me talk to you about Monday and Tuesday afternoon. When you're there with your puppy dog or by yourself, or there with your family, and they're all mm with you. Because the same mm is on them, it's on you, so they cause friction in your relationships. Sometimes your family problems with husbands and wives and children and community. It's not because you're bad people. You love it. But something's got in there. The enemy looks to get into a person or into a family unit or into an organization where he can set up his activities to control. Learn how to do what you just did with your family. I know it feels weird the first time. I know. I did it. My mom goes, are you sure? 
I said, we're going to do it until we get a breakthrough or we're going to die in the process. Remember that statement? So we, we learned how to do it as a family. And we, we began to break things that would come against our family because our family became uh, a very important family in ministry and things. And so the enemy bombarded us a little extra. You know what I mean? It's like, we didn't have this kind of problem when we were just nice country folk. But learn how to do it. And when you're by yourself, do it too. Isaiah also said, jump for joy. Now, I know it sounds great, but he said jump. He could have said wiggle. But he said jump. When you're at home and you feel this, mm, do what you just did today. Amen. Lift up your voice in the way that you should in your house. Do what wiggles with it. Shout. Jump. Whatever you do, do it. And do it until you get a release and you break the heaviness of the day where life can work for you and through you and by you. Amen. God will help you. God will deliver you. God is on your side. He'll put you in a large place. Oh, hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Remember life and death is in your mouth? God spoke and created the world. That's how the world came into existence. The big bang was his words. Scientists haven't quite figured out where the, the bang came from. I can tell you, God said it and bang, it happened. That's where the big bang came from, all right? One day they'll discover that's how it came about. Right now we're on Mars trying to figure out if there's life there. There's nothing there. God put life on Earth. If you go to Mars, you can't get saved there. Salvation is for Earth, by the way. But that's another sermon. But, uh, you know... Your words, back to my point, why did I say the thing about Mars? Uh, your words, you have creative power. God uses his words, and he put a dose of that in each one of us. Every one of us has a degree, not the same amount, but put a degree of that creative power in you with your words. And so Proverbs tells us what we speak creates life or death. Mark 11, 23 and 24 says, if you speak to the mountain or the problem, it will leave, it'll go away if you don't doubt in your heart. So you're either removing mountains or creating mountain ranges in your life. Now, having a mountain range is not good. Removing mountains is better. So let's use our words every day to create life, to create victory, to create the good things that are rightfully ours, and not let our words create these mountain ranges that we later have to climb. And we go, why is there so many mountains? Because you've been talking really bad for a while. Because what you said in your yesterdays has created your presence and your tomorrows. If you don't like how it has been going, you might want to check up on this principle and change this and create your day with better words. Amen? Another law is your giving your money, your time, be a seed sower and always believe for a harvest. I taught on that last Sunday. I don't want to repeat that, but it's okay to receive a harvest. And when it comes, take it and enjoy it and use it for what God gave it to you for. Amen? Amen? Now, okay. One last thing. And you have to tell the devil what to do every day. Can I give you a grandma statement? 
Grandma told me, bind him whether you see him or not. He's out there somewhere, so go ahead and bind him. So we always, well, if you don't feel him, he can't be around. Well, praise God you're not feeling him today, but she always says, bind him anyway so he knows he can't come back by. So we need to create a lifestyle of not demon conscious, but victory over the devil. And that there's a little sign in the spiritual world on the front door of your house or your flat that says, don't go in there to all other demons. It's a notice. Because if they go in your house, you beat them up. And you get a reputation in hell. Stay away from this person. They don't have any problem beating us up and doing it in a public manner. So we're going to take a moment here before we end this service. And I want you, if you are in a battle right now with some type of demonic force in your life or your family, whatever it is, we're going to use the name of Jesus. We're going to pray and you're going to pray. And we have to tell the devil what to do. You tell him yourself. Where to go, stop and get out. You can't do that. And be a resistor of the enemy, not an endurer. Get up, break heaviness, use your words, sow your seeds, and punch the devil just for fun. Amen? Let's bind the devil, all right? Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for that name that we have got power over all the demonic forces. And we bind you and break your assignments over our lives, our families, our businesses, our churches. No, you cannot be here. You cannot, you cannot control us. Come on, lift up your voice. Bind him in Jesus' name. Tell him to get out of your life. Just stop doing what he's doing. In the name of Jesus, we say no. We don't receive you. We don't accept your activities. Remove yourself from our home, my relationships, out of our money, out of our bodies, out of our workplaces. In the name of Jesus, we stop it from working. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, give God one more good shout. Amen. Before, before I give it back to Pastor Dudley, I want us to sing one good happy song before we dismiss. Can we do that? Yes. You want to sing? Yes. Are you sure? Just want to check. How about you? Can we sing a happy song before giving it to Pastor Dudley? Everybody sing as loud as you can and make the devil in your ears hear it. Amen? Amen. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord Amen. and to sing his praise. Go ahead.